live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in to the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. T Public Store, just saying it's a wonderful time of year to go shop the store. I'm just going to put it out there right now. So you definitely want to go check out that and get some ODPH swag, parlay points, new blogs dropping this week, the directory, the classifieds, if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH. It can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remove on social media, the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off the entertainment edition of the ODPH. Wow, wow, wow. What a weekend, Pat. Mm-hmm. San Diego Comic-Con. Whirlwind. Came back in force. It was an absolute media whirlwind like Pat alluded to. But we have to give the credit where credit is due. We knew when we did the preview show last week, there was one panel that was going to shut everything down in pop culture. It lived up to the hype. And then some, mm-hmm. there's a lot to break down. So for the entire first segment of this podcast, we are recapping the winners of San Diego Comic-Con 2022, and that is Marvel Entertainment and Marvel Studios. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot to break down here. So, Pad, let's just jump right into it. Uh, yeah, so everything I'm going to be reading from is from the Marvel.com article. Uh, and so if you sit there going, wait, why are you going in this order? This isn't the order they announced it in. Calm down. I'm reading off the Marvel article. This is how they presented it. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of which, I think we got to get out of the way because this is probably the easiest to discuss is they did unveil the name of the saga, much like, you know, we had the Infinity Saga. Uh, taking place for uh, phases one, two, and three. We did find out the saga name taking place for uh, phases four, five, and six, and that is titled, and this is probably not the biggest surprise in the world, No, The Multiverse Saga. Makes perfect sense. Obviously, they've been alluding to the multiverse. If you've been watching Loki, Doctor mm-hmm. Strange 2, WandaVision to a degree, Spider-Man, the list goes on and on of the seeds that have been planted throughout. Yeah. This is not a big shock at all, and in fact, this is the direction we all thought they were going to be going into, coming off the heels of the Infinity Saga. Mm -hmm. So this makes perfect sense, and obviously with the announcements of what is coming up, we got a lot to be excited for. Yeah, we do. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about a trailer that was uh, unveiled, and this is kind of one I had been teasing and alluded to that I'd heard was coming. Uh, We got another teaser trailer, a full trailer for the upcoming Disney Plus series, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, which is, of course, dropping on Disney Plus, the first episode, or maybe the first two, given how they've been doing things lately, uh, on August 17th. Yep. Tatiana Maslany is playing the title role. Yep. And definitely had a lot going on with it that if you're an old-time reader of the comics... Mm-hmm. Borrowing a lot from the John Byrne era, uh, tying into breaking the fourth wall, bringing it back to the legal aspect of the Jennifer Walters character, who is the Hulk's cousin. Yeah. Saw a great cameo of the Abomination. Yep. Wong from Doctor Strange. Yep. 
and one at the end that definitely got the internet buzzing a little bit. Yeah, and I mean, the, the trailer did kind of further confirm some of the stuff we figured was coming and they'd alluded to that given the rise of superheroes and they do a little montage shot during the trailer of, you know, superheroes kind of rising. There's at one point a dude who jumps out of a high-rise uh, office building, lands on a car, and is perfectly fine. You know, like, hey, there's been a rise in superheroes, so we're going to lead up, you know, and they've been getting into trouble, so we're going to start a superhero division of our law firm, and we want you to be the head. You know, and then the Wong one uh, cameo was interesting just because he does have the line, you know, our universe is on a precipice, which goes, oh, so things are getting worse. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely had a lot going on with that. And there's stuff to be excited for, but especially that last shot, mm-hmm. which did tease a cameo that the internet is buzzing about for a lot of different reasons. And that is one alluded to mm-hmm. Charlie Cox returning as Daredevil. Yep. And what everybody is buzzing about is not so much him being in the show. Which, I mean, let's face it, if, if you know anything about She-Hulk and that, hey, she's an attorney, it makes all the sense in the world for Charlie Cox, who's already established thanks to the Spider-Man film, is, hey, he's a lawyer. It makes all the sense in the world for him to show up. Right. But the buzzing point is the costume. Yeah. Now, it has been highly debated about what this represents. It's the yellow and red costume, mm-hmm. the original costume, the, original the yellow costume. and black, I should say. Yeah. So when Daredevil first came out, it was not all red. Yep. And it was a bright yellow. And yep. obviously they decided to change it for the good way back when. It looks, as of right now it is going to be that version of the costume to start out. Mm -hmm. Now, it's kind of been debated, at least by me and a few other people, if that's actually accurate. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, no, that's not it. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it is D-Man. If you know anything from the comics, you know who D-Man is. Kind of looks like a bad Wolverine version with a big D on the chest, but there is a Daredevil version like that as well. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go out on a limb there because I... Really, I'm trying to put together how they were going to go with something different than the already red established. See, I, I get that, but I think if it was going to be him and it wasn't Daredevil, they wouldn't show the nunchucks unless, right right at the end. Yeah, unless they're just going to do some kind of bait and switch, which they might. I mean, just to get the crowd ha- amped up and a little talking. But that's one aspect that really kind of stood out. I was like, is this the real costume? And I tell you what, man, I don't know. Like, this is a situation. Either way, I'm going to be ecstatic about because... It does look like they're borrowing a lot of uh, C and D list characters. We did see the Wrecking Crew from yeah. the Avengers fame in there. Yeah, there is a Frogman uh, cameo that is appearing somewhere in there. So they're going to definitely take a, a little elements from here and there from the Marvel universe. So a lot to be excited about when the show drops in mid-August, which we'll be talking about pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, next up was we got a quasi-release date, I guess you could say, for the upcoming Disney Plus series, uh, Secret Invasion, uh, which is dropping in spring 2023. Uh, And this, of course, you have Sam Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn returning to reprise their roles as both Nick Fury and Talos. Uh, Reading from an article on Marvel.com reads, uh, quote, San Diego Comic-Con is once again in full swing, and that can only mean one thing, Marvel Studios, yada, yada, yada. Uh, During the presentation, Kevin Feige, president of Marvel Studios, announced that Marvel Studios' Secret Invasion will be coming to Disney Plus in spring 2023. Kobe Smulders, who reprises her role of Maria Hill, a decorated spy, and Nick Fury's loyal number two, was on hand to talk about the new show, saying, quote, this is a darker show. We're going to get deeper uh, into the characters. We're going to see them in new ways, and it's going to be an exciting thriller. And you're never going to know who people are. Are they a scroll? Are they human? It's going to be a bit of a guessing game, close quote. Uh, footage played in the room highlighted this darker tone for the MCU with the opening of the clip showing a conversation between Hill and Fury. 
He's been off-world for years, ignoring her calls, but he's finally come back because he knows the threat is too great. But just how bad is it? In another scene, Fury is seen asking James Rhodey Rhodes, a.k.a. War Machine, just how well he knows his assigned protection uh, as things between the two men get tense. Secret Invasion stars Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury and Ben Mendelsohn as the Scroll Talos. Characters who first met in Captain Marvel, they are joined by Kingsley Ben Adir, Amelia Clark, and Olivia Coleman. Uh, so definitely excited for this one. Very excited to see what they're doing here. Obviously, you know about the comic run of Secret Invasion was a very interesting time mm-hmm. where a lot of the heroes and villains you knew were actually secret agents of the Skrulls. The ending of it is a little debatable. Sure. I was not the biggest fan of it, and I'm curious to see how it's going to translate on screen. But if the rumors are true that this is supposed to be a lot like the Winter Soldier. Which I'm all for. That is my favorite MCU movie of all time. Give me the political thriller. Exactly. Give that to me. That's what I want to see because I think that that espionage-esque angle that we've seen in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Give it a James Bond feel. Yeah, and Nick Fury is prime candidate to do that. This is what I want to see. I want to see something different. I don't need everything to be so happy and funny like Thor, Love, and Thunder. It has its purpose, though. Sure. But this, give it back to the espionage stuff. I'm here for it 24-7. We, we really haven't seen anything like that since Winter Soldier. You know, I mean, Not really, no. We've gotten glimpses. And we don't re- even really know what that side of the universe is up to, you know, given the fact that, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. fell in uh, Winter Soldier. They got a brief mention in WandaVision, and that's literally it. You yeah. know, there's been a couple of brief appearances, and, and I'm not counting the Captain Marvel thing because that was in the past in terms of the timeline. Sure. You know, but literally it's been since the fall, since the Winter Soldier, we've heard you you know what all about, you know, uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and the espionage side of things other than the teaser, the, the bonus scene with Fury in space. You know, so I'm excited for this. Very excited to see it. So we will have to wait till D23 for a little more details. I, I mean, would that, imagine. Yeah. That'll be coming up September 9th. Yeah. So I imagine I'm going to make a leap there. We're going to see at least one character from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. transition over. Maybe. Fingers crossed. Uh, next up on the Marvel.com article is Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, which the Feige revealed is dropping on February 17th, 2023. Uh, and the Marvel article goes on to say, quote, Feige revealed that Phase 5 kicks off in 2023 with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, opening February 17th, 2023. Superhero partner Scott Lang, played by Paul Rudd, and Hope Van Dyne, played by Evangeline Lilly, return to continue their adventures as Ant-Man and the Wasp. Together with Hope's parents, Hank Pym, uh, played by Michael Douglas, and Janet Van Dyne, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, the family finds themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures, and embarking on an adventure that will push them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. But can the cast offer up anything else about the next outing with the Ant Fam? God, I love that name. Uh, Well, for starters, as Rudd told the crowd, quote, Scott is pretty pleased with himself in his role of with saving the universe. He even wrote a book about it titled Look Out for the Little Guy. Everyone else, though, (laughs) loves to see loves to tease him about it. Family is a big theme for the movie, as as the whole cast teased. But when asked about Scott, Cat, the Scott Cassie dynamic, considering he was gone for so much of her life, both stars are mom. Cassie is becoming who she's supposed to be, uh, and I don't want to say anything else. Uh, we should also note, and I don't see the name mentioned here. There is a new actress playing uh, Cassie Lang. Yes, because one thing that they've done is they kind of sped up the timeline. Obviously, right. Promotional art for this does allude that Stature, who you know from the Young Avengers comic, is in this movie. Mm. So Cassie will be assuming that role. 
And we did know that one Jonathan Majors is going to be making his on-screen debut as Kang the Conqueror. Mm-hmm. And says a notable quote of, are you an Avenger? Have I killed you before? <laughs> and from what everybody is saying, Majors is absolutely terrifying in what, they, what has been coming out from this. Which is what you want if he is going to be the big bad villain of the MCU. If you don't have him doing that kind of stuff, why are we even wasting time? And right. He, and, you know, when we heard that he was going to be mentioned as Kang, everybody is excited, and he has absolutely been living up to the hype. And just such a positive response yeah. to Quantumania as it's coming out. Well, and especially with the poster, it kind of alludes to his costume. Like, you can't make it out fully, but, like, the outline is there. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's going to be very comic, comic accurate. Yeah, which I'm here for. Like, I think this is going to be such a win-win. It's not even going to be funny. Next up. Uh, next up is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which was announced uh, to be releasing on, in theaters on May 5th, 2023. There was a new logo. Uh, and an article from uh, Marvel.com says, with, quote, with director James Gunn taking the lead, cast members Chris Pratt, Karen Gillan, Pom uh, Klemtelef, Sean Gunn, Will Poulter, and Maria Bakalova, who is playing Cosmo the Dog, took part in an engaging discussion. Uh, Chukwudi Uwuji uh, arrived on stage in costume, revealing to excited fans that he'll be tr- portraying high evolutionary in the film. As for the footage shown in Hall H, it made everyone on the stage and in the audience emotional, as Gunn noted that this is the end of his arc for the Guardians crew. Uh, quote, I think it's really been about telling one story between the three films with a couple of sideways adventures, he explained to the crowd. But I think it really is about the one story. This is the final arc that we began at the very beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy with Peter Quill and Rocket, seeing where Nebula goes, and even uh, Kraglin, who started out as saying one or two lines in the first movie and is now a main Guardian of the Galaxy. Uh, but before they could get to the can get to the end, this ragtag group has to go back to the beginning, specifically Rocket's beginning. Uh, the film will explore his early days, and if you thought Baby Groot was cute, just wait until you see Baby Rocket. Uh, when I first started doing Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, I don't know. It sounds a little goofy. I thought it was going to be the uh, be Bugs Bunny joins the Adventures. Gun continued, but then I thought, if there is a uh, if there is a talking raccoon, how is this real? Where did he come from? I realized he was the saddest creature in the universe. And that's what this story is about to a great extent. Uh, another sad thing in the movie, addressing the crowd. Pratt noted that for Star-Lord, that Star-Lord is still reeling from the events of the Avengers Endgame, considering that the love of his life, Gamora, doesn't know who he is anymore. Yeah, cue the tears. Uh, in Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, our beloved band of misfits are looking a bit different these days. Peter Quill, still reeling from the loss of Gamora, must rally his team around him to defend the universe, along with protecting one of their own, a mission that, if not uh, completed successfully, could quite possibly lead to the end of the Guardians as we know them, close quote. So this was kind of a bittersweet moment, I think, for Hall H. So yeah, end of an era, I guess you could say. Yes, obviously. We know the history of James Gunn in the MCU and how he was fired and then was rehired. Obviously, yep. that was a highly controversial time. But we're finally getting to the end. And the high evolutionary being the bad guy of this movie is a very, very interesting take. But oh, boy. It, but it fits for James Gunn. If you're not familiar with high evolutionary is more or less like the cosmic Mr. Sinister. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of stuff with genetics, does gotcha. a lot of tinkering like that, and is a very unique character in like the demeanor and, and that. So I think it's a great casting. Plus, we also were getting word about Adam Warlock, Will Poulter, uh-huh. who's going to be playing him. So 
Very interested to see what that's going to happen because obviously if you know anything about the Marvel Cosmic Universe, Adam Warlock is on that Mount Rushmore of cosmic figures. Right. So seeing how they're going to transition to that, we do know obviously if you saw Eternals in the bonus scene, yeah. Pip the Troll is there. So yep. I'm not saying they're going to do Adam Warlock in the uh, Infinity Watch, but you never know what might happen in this next phase. But you never know. You know, it would be a nice way to send off a franchise that, to be honest with you, it wasn't expected to do as well as it did. No. But the fact that it did, it shows literally Marvel can take most of their properties yeah. and make them into hits. Yeah. Every once in a while, you get an Iron Fist or Eternals. Yeah. Sorry, JT from East Coast Avengers is honest. Or or uh, in, uh, Inhumans. Yes. So that being said, you have to kind of take that into consideration. But not everything is going to be a win, but this was definitely one and definitely something that the fans are going to be wanting to watch about. Yeah. Uh, next up is Black uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is, of course, dropping in theaters this November, uh, November 11th of 2022. Uh, we did get the first official teaser trailer for this film, uh, and you had Kevin Feige joined on stage by director Ryan Kogler, uh, cast members Mabel Cadena, Ma- Michaela Cool, Winston Duke, Denai Guerrera, Tanok Huerta, Florence Kasumba, uh, Alex Livinali, Lupita Nyong'o, Dominique Thorne, and Letia Wright uh, for Q&A. And, of course, they did show the first show, which, got to say, trailer. Goddamn the emotions. Holy yeah. Shit, holy shit. Uh, article from Marvel.com goes on to say, in uh, Marvel Studios' uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Queen Ramonda, played by Angela Bassett, Shuri, uh, Mumbaku, Okoye, and the Dora uh, Milaje, fight to protect their nation from intervening world powers in the wake of King T'Challa's death. As the Wakandans strive to embrace their next chapter, the heroes must band together with the help of war dog uh, Nakia, played by Lupita Nyong'o, uh, and Everett Ross, played by Martin Freeman, and forge a new path for the kingdom of Wakanda, introducing Tanok Huerta as Namor, uh, king of a hidden undersea nation. The film stars Dominique Thorne, uh, Michaela Cole, uh, uh, Mabel Cadena, and Alex Livinali. Uh, close quote. Uh, yeah, so this has been the one I think a lot of fans are intrigued about and interested in simply because of the unfortunate and tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. How are they going to handle this? What are they going to do? You know, they've been very upfront saying we're not going to do the whole CGI, bring their face in type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it's clear from the get go that T'Challa has passed. I'm sure in the film they will address how it happened or why it happened. But if they don't, I understand. And, and I got to say, the Angela Bassett moment in the trailer oh, really got to me where she's giving a speech. I don't know where, but it's in front of people. And she's like, basically, like, all of my family is dead. I've given everything. What more do I need to give? Talk about pulling at the heartstrings. Absolute chills. Absolute chills. That whole trailer hits you in the emotions. And don't even say it doesn't. They did it masterfully. And to touch upon a couple points, we do have the introduction of Namor, the mm-hmm. first mutant of the MCU, realistically. If you know the comics, he's number one. Well, in the comics, the, the uh, movies, no. Movies, I'm going to say, I'm going to put an asterisk right now by Miss Marvel, because I could see them doing a flip and saying, well, it's not really a mutation. It's more like you're inhuman. But either way, you have one of the most polarizing characters of the mcu also one of the more confusing rights issues because for years nobody's been quite sure who owned the rights to him and well it's pretty clear now yeah he's now under the house of mouse 
Uh, maybe it's a certain degree I with like Universal has allowed the Hulk to be there. Right. Well, that's that was the confusing thing was because of his connections with the Hulk and and people thought for years he was under the Universal banner, but then nobody was quite sure. And like literally since the MCU's inception and since the Incredible Hulk films, people wanted to see Namor, but you could never get a straight answer out of anyone who held the rights. And maybe that's because they had to get the lawyers involved to sort through the mess and figure it out. Well, the one thing that some younger listeners might not realize is Marvel in the nineties did a lot of bad decisions in my opinion. Yeah, that's true. And a lot of the movie rights, the characters were separated. So that's why it's taken a long time for everybody to come back under one roof. Namor has been one name that's been lost in the shuffle and he has multiple connections to many a franchise in the comics universe. Mm Mm-hmm. Once he was a foe of the Fantastic Four, then an ally, then he was an Avenger, then an enemy of the Avengers. At one point, made an appearance on the X-Men. Right. He is a very unique character, uh, pretty much a big jerk. Yeah, well, and I know more (laughs) recently in the comics, when they were doing the battle for the Phoenix Force, he was one of the, quote-unquote, I guess you could say, finalists in the battle. Right. And and he was one of the ones fighting for control of the Phoenix Force. Mm -hmm. which is a terrifying fucking thought. Oh, absolutely, because he is a very hot-headed king of Tolokan, Mm -hmm. which is not Atlantis anymore in the MCU. They're going to change the name, which I think is very cool. It's tying into the Aztec uh, background that they're going to try establishing. So I think it's very cool that they're going to try doing something different because I was talking with Justin, credible cosplay from uh, Sound Around today. Yeah. And we were actually having to talk about the movies, and he was saying, yeah, he goes, they're going to try doing something else and just take it away from Atlantis because sure. the success of Aquaman yeah. that you don't want to confuse the yeah. pop culture audience. No, I, this, I, get, this, I get that. To paraphrase a little bit from what we were talking. But he's right, though, because they did such a good job with DC Films and Aquaman yeah. that if you're going to try saying another Atlantis. Right, the casuals might get a little confused. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I get it. Because, yeah, it's a, and this is an easy flip in a different direction if you want to take Namor and what they're going to do there is going to be some really fun stuff. And like I say, he's such a polarizing character, mm-hmm. but he's one that you can't take your eyes off of in the comics. He always says something really bad. He usually winds up doing something completely out of out of the realm of thought. Mm-hmm. But he's always somebody that, like, the ends justify the means with him. Yeah. And, he's, and he has a very interesting history with the Black Panther. Mm. And they've done some great work in the comics for this. Uh I'm going to say I'll wait till my idea for when we get closer to the movie coming out about who's really behind everything here. Something tells me I think one of his motivations is obviously going to be and I know we've seen this from like I know I remember with uh, Aquaman in the Justice League uh, animated series Mm -hmm. where like he's real pissed about how things are going in the earth and, and, you know, the treatment of the seas. I think we also may get a tie back into the Eternals thing because, hey, there's that giant fucking celestial poking out of the ocean. Something tells me he's not going to be real thrilled about that. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm very excited to see it. And like I say, I, I think that there'll be somebody else pulling the strings. Maybe from Could be. Latveria. Mm. Wait and see. Maybe. Dot, dot, dot. Uh, next up, uh, in terms of uh, the announcements on the Marvel.com article, uh, is in the streaming side of things. And this was about Echo, uh, which was announced. Uh, it is streaming exclusively on Disney Plus the summer of 2023. Uh, not much really to go on because the article on Marvel.com does say, just say during the presentation, Kevin Feige, president of Marvel Studios, announced that Marvel Studios Echo will be coming to Disney Plus summer 2023. Uh, we do know, however, Vincent D'Onofrio, Charlie Cox, both confirmed for the show. Give it to me. Give it to me now. I'm here for this. We did know that Echo was going to be the gateway into the Netflix characters now coming to the MCU. Mm-hmm. 
So this doesn't surprise me as all. Everybody that thought Vincent D'Onofrio got killed off at the end of Hawkeye. Sorry if that's a spoiler at this stage, but it's been quite a few months. Mm-hmm. We knew he was not going to get killed off. And this is going to be perfect for this series. And whatever direction we go in, I just can say the only thing that is for certain is you're going to see more Netflix Marvel superheroes come over. Sure. So whether we get Jessica Jones, whether we get Luke Cage, whether we get a Danny Rand, mm-hmm. which is very up in the air. I think so. I think we might get something out of that out of Shang-Chi too, maybe. Yeah. The only character I think we're not going to see right away for reasons is John Bernthal's Punisher. Well, we will eventually. We will eventually, but I'm going to say right now, nah. no. But that, that, That's I'm, one you got to build up to. Yeah, I'm going to say they're doing a lot of different things in the comics. I could see him making an appearance at some point, more likely in a certain series that we'll be talking about sooner than later in this segment. Mm-hmm. Just going to throw that out there. But for Echo, super excited to get some more details. And obviously, when you got the dynamic duo of Netflix joining the ship, it's going to be smooth sailing. Absolutely. Uh, next up was uh, Variants Assemble. Loki Season 2 arrives on summer, uh, summer 2023 on Disney+. Plus. We do know, uh, basic, basically, I think everyone who was a lot like the main characters who were alive at the end of Season 1 are going to be coming back for Season 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so super excited for this. We do know they also, I believe, they're currently filming, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they are currently filming right now. So super excited for this Season 1. Smash it. Didn't really give much. Hiddleston wasn't there because obviously, hey, he's filming season uh, two. But I'm sure we'll get something. Uh, I see maybe Thanksgiving. You know what? Here's the thing. I don't even need to see a trailer. No. This is one they could do a mystery vortex and just drop it on us, and I'd be perfectly fine. Tom Hiddleston's series was such a welcome hit and one that we did not really see coming mm-hmm. that now it's like, do whatever you want and it's going to work because right. the show is so out there. It really took the crown of American doctor who from legends of tomorrow. Sure. And ran with it. So now listen, it's an open playbook. Do whatever you want. You know, it's going to tie in with Kang in some way, shape or form. Oh yeah. That's the only thing certain we need to know about. I just want to see alligator Loki come back and then we go from there. Mm-hmm. So give it to me. Uh, next up on the film side of things, uh, it was announced by Kevin Feige uh, that Blade, w- which begins shooting this October mm-hmm. uh, and stars Oscar winner Mahershala Ali, opens in theaters on November 3rd, 2023. About time. About goddamn time. Should be amazing. Yep. Uh, fully expecting to see uh, Kit Harrington's Black Knight make an appearance on that one that as would, well. That would make all the sense in the world. Yeah. Uh, next up on the streaming side of things is uh, Ironheart, which we did find out that uh, Riri Williams is going to be making her first appearance this November uh, in Black Panther Wak- mm. Wakanda Forever. Very cool. Uh, she's also getting her own solo series, as we know, which is arriving uh, in the fall of 2023 on Disney+. Plus. Very excited to hear a little more news about that. Obviously, they've been ramping up the casting. Not really sure what storylines they're going to be doing, but yeah, listen, no. you know what? This is a situation that... It's going to be a great addition to the MCU. I'm here for it. I'm excited to see what they're going to do, so bring it on. Uh, also sticking with the streaming side of things, uh, re- and i, I got to read this because this is a great sentence from the, whoever wrote this article on Marvel.com. Uh, quote, who's been messing up everything? You know the rest. Uh, f- <laughs> uh-huh. Kudos to the uh, author of this article. 
Uh, find out what she's been up to in Agatha Coven of Chaos arriving winter 2023 on Disney Plus. So obviously a little bit of a name change. Uh, article on uh, Marvel.com reads, During the presentation, Kevin Feige, president of Marvel Studios, announced that Marvel Studios' Agatha Coven of Chaos with Catherine Hahn reprising the, her fan-favorite role of Westview's resident Darkhold reader, Agatha will arrive on Disney Plus in the winter of 2023. Uh, I believe it was House of Harkness was what it was originally Originally, titled. yes. Originally titled, but for whatever reason, uh, they decided to change the name to Coven of Chaos. Uh, I don't care. Give it to me. You know, to be honest with you, I have no idea what they're going to do for this show. I don't either. But Catherine Hahn was fantastic in this role. Mm-hmm. So literally, go whichever route you want to go in. Literally, you can do anything. Yeah, so I couldn't even speculate about what they're going to do. I would say maybe they'll tie into more of the supernatural with the dark hole, possibly. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be her looking for the dark hole, trying to hunt down Wanda and get revenge for what she did, only to find out, hey, she's quote unquote dead, you know, and then going from there. Because I imagine the end of Multiverse of Madness is going to play into this a little bit. It has to, but I honestly can't even speculate right now what they're going to do. I just really am excited to eventually see a trailer. And then maybe I'll have more of an idea. But like I say, this was one of those shows that a character was so popular, fans wanted to see more in the pop culture audience. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of storylines in the comics that she does solo. So this is completely wide open playbook, and I'm here for it. Right. Uh, next up on the streaming side of things, it was announced, and boy, hold on to your butts for this one. Uh, Kevin Feige announced that Marvel Studios' Daredevil Born Again, an 18 episode original series starring Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio returning to play their roles as Daredevil and the Kingpin respectively uh, will be coming to Disney Plus in spring 2024. Okay, so I will say what I'm worried about with this because it's very short. Sure. The title of this is Born Again. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know as Daredevil readers, Born Again is one of the most iconic storylines ever Yep. of Daredevil. Yep. They just did a version of this as the last season of Daredevil on Netflix. So titling it Born Again, they could be borrowing it. But the other aspect that I'm kind of worried about if this is going to play out like I think it is, but I'm hoping I'm wrong, is we saw in She-Hulk the yellow, black, and red costume of Daredevil. Allegedly. I'm just going to put the allegedly there. Does this mean for 18 episodes we're going to go to his past and then speed up to the present? I think for maybe a couple of episodes, and you say we just did it, but it was four years ago, so it's been a, it's been a while, right? But still, though, you know. But I I think what this means is they're doing the story again. I think what it means is, you know, the I don't think it's going to tie directly into the Netflix series. I think it's going to maybe loosely loosely mention it, mm-hmm. but I don't think anything from the Netflix series is going to get directly referenced. So I think if you're expecting, you know, an event from season one, and I will tell you what one because I can't remember because it's been so long since I've seen season one of Daredevil. You know, if something happened in season one, they're not going to reference it or bring it up just to, like, tie it back into that. I think it's them kind of saying, hey, this is our take on the character. Yes, that character existed in this other storyline, but whether you take it as canon or not is up to you personally. Which, it does make sense, but like I say, when I mean they just did it, though, I mean, the last image we have of Charlie Cox was in the Born Again uh, storyline there. Right. I mean, you can say, okay, the Spider-Man movie, sure, that was a cameo, though. It was long term. That's why I say, like, I don't know if they would just kind of redo it already, but 
I'm very interested to see what they're going to play out here. But listen, for 18 episodes, I'm here for it. I don't, yeah. I don't care. By far the longest series on Disney Plus right. thus far. Which I imagine they'll split up into two parts. I don't think they're going to yeah. do a full 18. Yeah. I think you'll yeah. get nine and nine, which is fine. Yeah. And if they want to try doing the original story with a black, yellow, and red costume, they can. See, I, I just try blocking that out because I really hate that costume. But I don't know exactly how they would play this out because with Born Again... Like I say, they can do a version of that in the MCU. It can work. I would personally love to see if they borrowed the Kevin Smith uh, Daredevil. Well, you know what could be with the Black Suit? That could just be, you know, like the early Spider-Man costume. It's what he has to start out. Eventually, he gets the costume we all know and love. Same for Daredevil. This could just be his beginning, and we see it. And by the end of the... Like, I'm, I'm with you on the whole split the episodes into two batches, nine and nine. Yeah, you got to. Nine and nine. You know, I what's to say we don't do like they did for season one of Daredevil, where we didn't see the costume until like the what was it like the very last episode? Mm. He's in he's in that yellow and, and red costume until the very last shot of or the very last episode of, of the first batch of episodes season episode nine of that first batch. Then we see the red costume we all know and love. I mean, that would make some sense. I like I say, I just am going based off of if it is true with the She Hulk. That's why I'm hoping it's D Man, and I just hope they go red and then. You can go right into the ground running. There's so many great runs of Daredevil recently that you can borrow a lot of storylines from and do. Obviously, if you do Born Again, you can do a lot of crazy stuff there, too, if Mar- if Marvel really wants to go there. Not saying that Netflix didn't, but there's a couple things that you could definitely do. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I personally would love to see him borrow the from the Kevin Smith run. I know that's not Born Again. That's Guardian Devil. But still... I would definitely take that. Right. And then, obviously, you look at the lineage of writers that have tapped into Daredevil right now, and you can definitely borrow some cool sure. ideas and, and make something happen. The only other thing that I think you could definitely see happening here is if we're going to get the Punisher, this is the spot that we get him in, okay. that, that back end, that in some kind of quick capacity, I think this is where it goes down. I'm not saying it's a lock, but I say it's probably the safest bet sure. we can make because for 18 episodes, and like I say, if they do the the past and then they go into the present, this is a spot you can plug them in and kind of see what the temp in the room is. Sure. So I'm all here, for, but I'm all here for oh, it. Oh, anyway. I am too. Give me him and D'Onofrio just talking. Oh. I'm done. I'm I'm done. Uh, next up on the film side of things, it was announced the uh, the new Captain America four movie, which was previously announced. We got a title. Uh, it is Captain America: New World Order, uh, and from the article on Marvel.com, it does read, "Quote: Sam Wilson is the new man with a plan." Arriving in theaters May third, twenty twenty four. Not much else now because hey, we're still you know basically two years away from this film coming out. But hey, more Sam Wilson, more Captain America, I'm all for it. Absolutely, give me as much of Sam Wilson as Cap as possible. I'm definitely here for it. And I'm very curious to see what this is going to play out for the movie. Because the one thing I just say when they announced Captain America titles for movies, sure, it was always kind of like a bait and switch. Because remember, mm. they announced originally Serpent Society, and then they went to Civil War. Yeah. So I'm just wondering what they're setting up here for New World Order. But I am excited just to see Anthony Mackie back in the title role, go with the film, and then let's see where we go. Yeah. I mean, listen, if Hollywood Hulk Hogan isn't the villain of this movie, I will be severely disappointed. <laughs> you just hear the boing, the boing, boing. I'm telling you, brother. Let me tell you something, brother. No, I, I think this is going to be very interesting, and I think given the title of New World Order, it's going to be in that vein of, like, the Winter Soldier and, like, a political thriller, you know, some undertones and all that stuff. And, uh, listen, uh, Winter Soldier is, like yours, one of my favorite films of the entire Marvel franchise. Give it to me. Yeah, no, I'm definitely excited for it. And like I say, I'm not sure what comic elements they would t- they would borrow from for stories. 
this is something, and obviously if you know one, hit me up on hashtag ODPHPod and definitely we can discuss this. I don't know how they're going to do it, but like I say, Sam Wilson as Captain America, give it to me. Mm-hmm. And if this means we bring back the Red Skull, I'm down for it too. Like this Long is, overdue. I mean, you, you have to think that we did see him last in Endgame. It's possible. Yeah. Reasons. Yeah. So let's wait and see about this. But just super excited we got confirmation that the movie is coming out. Obviously, the last thing we heard was at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier that there was a movie coming. Right. So at least we got some details. We got a working title. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, Next up on the film side of things, this one was certainly a surprise to everyone, ourselves included, uh, that the new movie coming out uh, on July 26th, 2024 is Thunderbolts, uh, which on the article on Marvel.com says Thunderbolts featuring an exciting new group of heroes is slated for theaters on July 26th, 2024. So this one, we've been seeing the seeds get planted. If you're not familiar with Thunderbolts, go read the Kurt Busiek and Mark Bagley run. It's some of the best comics that you have ever read. And I will say this. This is the last comic surprise that was not ruined by the internet. Mm-hmm. I will go on record and say that. The setup for this is going to borrow, though, not exactly just from Thunderbolts, but from Dark Avengers, too. Right. Because I think what's going to happen is at this time in the MCU there will be no Avengers, so they're going to the government's going to want to fill in a super team of suitable, similar heroes to fit the roles of the Avengers, which the public knows and loves. So that's why you're kind of seeing the uh, questionable members get added, like Yelena, aka Black Widow, and uh, the uh, U.S. agent. Yeah. Uh, your favorite character. I know. One of my favorite people. At least I haven't decided to add Sentry. Otherwise, I'll be saying just take them all out. But it's going to be a fun series to see how they set up. We ha- did get some rumor that there was going to be new characters we haven't seen before. I'm banking one will be Songbird. Mm-hmm. And if you read Thunderbolts, you know who she is. So I'm guaranteeing that that will be a character added. you probably see the Abomination get added. I don't know who else per se, but they're planting enough seeds that they can kind of make you. You can mix and match a lot from Right. Because obviously Taskmaster has been thrown in there. Ghost has been thrown in there. Right. I just don't know the setup of what they're exactly going to lean with, but there's enough that they can make something happen here. And the fact we're getting a movie about it, that's a big deal because for all the different incarnations of the team, and like I said, from the original one, which had the best reveal ever for a comic ending at the time, and like I said, it's the last one that didn't get ruined by the internet, I would love to see Zemo take the helm That'd and nice. see what he could do there. That'd and then nice. and I know they've done different incarnations with Luke Cage has ran the team and uh, Winter Soldier has ran the team and Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. But if they try tying into the first one and making a mix with Dark Avengers and how crazy that series was, give it to me. I'm here for it. Damn. But I'm super excited about this. So at this point, everything announced and we've been talking about is for Phase 5. Uh, now we're going to be dipping into some of the Phase 6 side of things, which is totally uncharted territory. Yeah, this is new stuff right here. Uh, and first up announcing, it was announced that the first film kicking off Phase 6 uh, is going to be the Fantastic Four film, uh, which we didn't get a director. We didn't get a casting information. We did, however, get a production uh a release date for it however uh, and it does hit it is scheduled to hit theaters on november 8th 2024 with production kicking off next year uh, to kick uh, to bring in marvel's famous family uh, and we should note there is an article that dropped on the hollywood reporter today as we record uh with it was an interview with marvel studios kevin feige uh which uh, part way down through the article it does read quote over at fox fantastic four previously had a pair of chris evans starring films in the aughts as well as a disastrous box office miss in 2015 from director Josh Trank, Feige compared Marvel's new take on the heroes as akin to its pact with Sony to bring Spider-Man into the MCU, noting this will not be another origin story. Quote, a lot of people know this origin story. 
A lot of people know the basics. How do we take that and bring something that they've never seen before? Close quote. Said Feige, who added that given the super team launched the Marvel Comics universe back in 1961, we've set a very high bar for ourselves with bringing that uh, to the screen, uh, said by Kevin Feige. So when this film releases, we are not getting another origin story. Thank God. The only thing that I thought was surprising about this entire panel at San Diego Comic-Con is we didn't get the casting announcements. Well, it's not scheduled to kick off production until next year, so why would we? But still, to have that Hall H moment where the crowd pops, I was surprised at that. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but when they announced the date of it, yeah, it does make some sense. When this didn't when this didn't end, the panel, I knew they weren't going to do it because that's the moment that you go, you know, the Steve Jobs, Apple presentation. Yeah. Oh, one more thing. If they were going to announce the cast for this movie, they would have done it last, but the instant... But the uh, and they talked about it. I'm like, ooh, maybe they're gonna do it. But then they'll go and next. I'm like, okay, they're not gonna do it. Yeah, no. Like I said, when they did that, I was very surprised. At it. That's what I'm saying, Pat. Yeah. So it's exciting news though. We're finally getting a release date, and yeah. I imagine that maybe the rumors are true. The D23, we're gonna hear a lot more news about this. Could be. Uh, next up, we did get our next Avengers uh, movie because Phase What f- Avengers? You I say? No, Phase Four and Phase Five are going to be the first time, two times in Marvel Cinematic Universe history, that they did not contain uh, an Avengers film. However, we did find out that Phase Six will continue. Will bring in the next uh, Avengers uh, film, uh, which is scheduled to release in theaters on May second, twenty twenty-five, and it is titled Avengers: The Kang Dynasty. And we did find out a couple of days later that it is being directed by the gentleman who directed Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Dustin Daniel Cretton. Hmm. So, obviously exciting about the the, uh, director news. Yeah. uh, Because Shang-Chi was awesome, so this is going to be loaded right up there, too. The Kang Dynasty, though. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I'm not sure where we're going to go for a story with this. I'm still going to go out on a limb. Right. I've been saying this for a while. I'm going to stick to my guns. I think what they're going to do is adapt Avengers Forever. That's Kurt Busiek and Carl Spicheo. Sure. I think that they're going to do that. This is going to be the interpretation of that movie. I don't know anything official, obviously, but I'm just saying how I think they're lining up the MCU, borrowing the elements from this storyline, which, like I said, if you haven't read the book, the book is really, really good. This would make a lot of sense. But the fact that we're going to have one Avengers movie coming back is kind of big because remember the rumor was no more Avengers. We're done. We're done. And yet here we are. Mm-hmm. So definitely exciting news with that. Yeah. And then lastly, and certainly not leastly, uh, Phase 6 is getting not one, but two Avengers films. Two. Two. And this one is releasing on November 7th, 2025, and it is titled Marvel Studios Avengers Secret Wars. <laughs> Mic drop. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think I know what they're doing, and this is the Jonathan Hickman story. If they do this... Game over. Just game over. I And I know they said the Russo brothers were not going to be directing this, which right. I'm surprised at. Well, that's what they're saying. It could all be a red herring. That's what I'm thinking, too, because it's been long noted since the end of Endgame that the Russo brothers have said they would come back for one more film, and that's Secret Wars. And if you have not read Secret Wars by Jonathan Hickman, do yourself a favor and read it. It is incredible. I think that's the way we're going here. Could be. Because obviously there was the, the series in the 80s, and you can say what you want about that. I don't think we're going that route. I really, really don't. But to cap it off, two Avengers films in the same year, Marvel decided to go all in. Like, how else do you top this? I mean, unless they try doing a third, but I, there's no way. 
this is absolutely big time stuff by Marvel. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to put the exclamation point on. We returned to Hall H. They unloaded yeah, they the, the entire kitchen sink here and then some. Yeah. Fantastic news coming from this panel. I mean, Pad, if you got to choose something here, what's your favorite announcement? Well, other, I'm going to take the Avengers out of it just because that's the easy answer. That, that, yeah. That's kind of like the, you know, uh, fastball down the middle of the play, easy home run answer. I'm going to say Captain America New World Order. Okay. Just because. It's got, with the title, it's got that kind of like Winter Soldier, sounds like an espionage, you know, political thriller vibe, and I love that kind of movie. Like I said, Winter Soldier is one of my favorite films in the Marvel Universe, and if it's something even akin to that or in the same vein as that, I'm fucking all sorts of excited for it. I'm excited for that, but that's not my number one. That's my 1B. My 1A is Daredevil. Yeah, okay, yeah, there's that one, too. Honestly, I'm happy with all the movie announcements. There's nothing there that I was kind of like, hmm, about this seeing Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio come back. For 18 episodes. Yep, and it sounds... And and that's not counting the Echo series. Exactly, and it sounds like most of the cast is coming back from the Netflix show, like Foggy and Karen Page. Right, right. So we haven't got official confirmation of that yet, so I'm not going to say they are definites. But... If they're bringing back the core group of people to capture that magic that happened on Netflix, and granted, it's going to be a different vibe, but it's still going to be the same vibe because I think Feige and the powers that be know they had a bona fide hit on their hands with Netflix. Mm -hmm. If it's not broke, don't fix it. No, and the fans, unlike other fan bases, have been very polite in requesting Daredevil come back as Charlie Cox. Mm -hmm. They haven't been like other ones being real dicks and assholes. Well, we'll talk about that next you know, segment. You know who you are. Yeah, we'll talk about that next segment. Because the quote-unquote hashtag Save Daredevil worked. Yeah. So kudos to you if you were part of that, too. Yeah. We do know there's a few members of that group that listen to the ODPH. So sure. listen, right. take your victory lap. You guys earned yeah. it. Yeah. So that's my number one right there. But listen, to put a bow on this segment, Marvel came back, unveiled everything, and literally told the rest of the con, top that. How do you? Well... I don't know, but the buzz of the weekend from Saturday on is MCU. So ODPH Society, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH pod. What is your thoughts about Marvel Studios, Hall H, San Diego Comic-Con panel? Let us know what you're most excited for, and definitely keep an eye out for D23 September 9th when that drops, because that will be kind of the companion piece to what Marvel did at San Diego. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Looking for a podcast all about nerddom? Want a podcast with an emphasis on representation? The Nerd Alternative is the podcast for you. Join me, Ram. Me, Hassan. And me, Levi. Three black British nerds tackling the pop culture we love and sharing why we love them. The Nerd Alternative, a sweet melting pot of all things nerdy. Coming back for the second segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And we have to be honest, there was more going on at San Diego Comic-Con than just Marvel. Yeah. There was a lot of great stories coming out of this. Talked to a lot of fans that were in attendance. The vibe is back. San Diego was rocking and rolling. And there's a lot of stories that were coming out that definitely fans are definitely buzzing about. And you can't deny there's a lot of electricity in the air. A lot of positive vibes coming out from this year. So we're going to take a quick gander around the rest of the con and what stood out to us. Yeah. So, Pad, why don't you lead us off? Well, I think the first thing we got to talk about is the other big movie, comic movie panel that took place uh, early on Saturday, and that was the Warner Brothers 
uh, DC mm-hmm. uh, panel for their upcoming films, Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and then uh, Black Adam. Yep. Uh, showed off a trailer for both. Uh, I think this is our first look trailer for Shazam. If yes, I'm this is one. the first detailed one. Yeah, First detailed one we got. The trailer looked good. Uh, looks like he, you know, he's kind of coping with everything going on being a superhero that, like, obviously time has passed. The family's doing what they do, you know, and, and dealing with just being a superhero and living the life. Yeah, this was one that I don't want to say flew under the radar, but obviously when you hear Dwayne The Rock Johnson is tagged to being at the panel mm-hmm. and everybody's talking Black Adam, yeah. people are forgetting about Zachary Levi's Shazam. Yeah. And listen, the movie is fun. Yeah. And if you know anything about the character, it's, it's a 13-year-old kid has the power of the gods. Yeah. It's supposed to be lighthearted. It's it was a nice change of pace from the Snyderverse, which is officially super serious. Yeah, which is officially dead in the water. Jim, yep. Jim Lee came out in his panel, and that's the only thing I'm going to, have to speculate about. That he came out and said officially it, it's done. So mm-hmm. Snyderverse is no more. Take it for what it is. I'm it's still not unmuting those hashtags. Exactly, it's done. We can all move on, and yeah, everybody should because uh, there's nothing more to talk about there. Yeah. There is more to talk about, though, with this panel. And like I say, Shazam! Fury of the Gods is the sequel to the name. And the yeah. trailer the trailer looked fun. The trailer looked fun. Everything yeah. good. Helen Mirian looked awesome. Yeah. In her role. She's going to be one of the villains with Lucy Liu in this. Yeah, that was, that was a cool surprise. Yes. And obviously, we do know that eventually Shazam! is going to meet Black Adam, mm-hmm. his main rival in the comics. I would imagine probably we'll see it like a, as like a bonus scene in Black, or, yeah, Black Adam. Yes. But this is where... These two really set the pace for the DC Warner Brothers Discovery panel because obviously there was a lot of hoopla that Henry Cavill was going to be in attendance and the, it was heavily rumored. Yeah. Nothing was confirmed. And, but I think the DC fan base, and I will say this, rightfully so, wants to see their heroes on screen. Sure. They want to see Superman. They We've seen Batman enough. They want to see Wonder Woman. They want to see The Flash. Obviously, reasons are we are not seeing The Flash on there for any time being. Uh, I think it's nice. We'll just put it to you this way. If you've read the headlines, you know why. Exactly. So a lot was riding on this panel to kind of get the fan base reignited. And I will say this. Shazam went over very well. Black Adam went over extremely well. Yeah. Dwayne The Rock Johnson came out in a lot of smoke and mirrors, like a Cody Rhodes. Literal. Well, he made Cody Rhodes look like a fucking chump. Yeah, break it down, Pat. God damn. Like, he came out from the floor, up in the air, fog machine going in full effect, lightning behind him. God damn. Like, you know, and then he, I love how he kept it kayfabe. You know, he left the stage. You know, you had the moderator come out, the director, and some of the cast come out, and then he came out and he goes, and they and they bring up that Black Adam was here, and he goes, "Oh, Black Adam was here. Oh, I'm a, it's a shame I didn't see him." Yeah. So well, you know, and then kudos to Dwayne. You know, being the the awesome guy he is. Uh, if you need more evidence of that, look at the social media post he made last night for DC League of Super Pets. Oh man, he gave a family a fucking puppy. Yeah, like the man's awesome. Uh, he did give everyone in attendance at this panel a voucher for a screening of uh, Black Adam when it does come out, and not just any screening, IMAX screening. Yeah, which is super cool, and he understands the temp in the room. Like he is a guy that's that is one hundred percent all in on DC, and rightfully so because he is going to be. I almost want to say the centerpiece of their next phase, whatever that's going to be. I mean, listen, I'm having a fun quasi-drinking game where every time he says the the power is going to shift in D.C., I take a drink. Yeah. At this point, I'd be dead. Oh, exactly. But he knows that he's going to be the face of the franchise moving forward. It's a right move to do whatever they're going to do with Superman because it was alluded to that he will be facing him at some point. Mm-hmm. Who will be wearing the red and blue, though? That's a question to be debated. 
But overall, I thought the DC did an okay job with the panel. Yeah. I thought that they might have held back some for fandom, like when I was talking to Justin Crowell Cosplay about this. Sure. He, he was saying, too, he's like, they did a good job for what they had. Right. They could have done a little more, which I agree. Like, I yeah. thought I thought Blue Beetle, we could have got some teaser footage. Yeah, or, maybe, or even maybe some stills from the production. Yeah, or Batgirl, too, because yeah. that's in works. Yeah. You could have done a little more with it, but I think they were kind of holding a lot close to the chest because with Marvel coming out at the end of the day, I don't think that they thought maybe with what they had lined up wasn't going to match up with them. Sure. Which, listen, I'm not shaming them. I'm not saying they did anything wrong. And I think that they're holding out a lot for fandom because that'll be that their weekend. Sure. So can't really go wrong with that. Next up. Uh, next up, we did get, of course, the big panel for Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Uh, I've got an awesome teaser trailer, which, fucking hell, I'm already excited for this. Give it to me now. Uh, we did find out a couple of things. Uh, I'm reading from an article on GamesRadar, GamesRadar.com, uh, which is titled 12 Things We Learned About Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power at San Diego Comic-Con. Uh, the first of which is we learned who is going to score the uh, music for the for the show because I have been a very vast proponent of having Howard Shore, who composed all six films in the Tolkien movies, uh, that being the three from The Hobbit and three from Lord of the Rings, uh, Howard Shore should come back to compose the music. Makes sense to me. He's not composing the music. He did, however, compose the score. Okay. Or, or the theme song for the show. For So it's Howard Shore doing the theme song. However, doing the score for the show is Bear McCreary, who, if you don't know the name, you sure know, sure as hell know the work he's done. Uh, he's done composing work, and this is just his known for. Uh, Godzilla, King of Monsters, 10 Cloverfield Lane, Battlestar Galactica, the Walking yeah, Dead. I was going to say Walking Dead. Walk, I know. He's done Walking Dead. Uh, he's currently uh, done work on the uh, game Forspoken, which is in uh, post-production. Uh, just scrolling through uh, some of his works. He's done Outlander, Masters of the Universe, uh, Revelation. Uh, let's see. He did Call of Duty Vanguard. Uh, let's see what else he did. He did the TV movie The Dark Tower. Uh, he also did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Snowpiercer. Uh, just to name a just to name a few things he's done. So he's a very he's a he's a very good composer, and he did say I know during the panel that he listened to a lot of Howard Shore's Lord of the Rings work for inspiration. So it, it definitely from all sounds uh, does say it channels the feel and sound of the original movies, which hey are some of my favorite soundtracks in movie history. So I am all sorts of excited for this. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot to be excited about, and if you're Lord of the Ring fans, you're extremely jazzed. If you're a casual fan like yours truly. There's enough to have my interest in. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to be sitting four hours in front of a TV, like in one sitting. And, and we know that this is going to be a very faithful adaptation because the, the moderator of this panel was one Stephen Colbert, mm-hmm. who is probably the biggest Lord of the Rings fan I know of. Yeah, I got to agree with that. He was holding their feet to the fire and questioning them on some deep, 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 deep lore for Lord of the Rings. Uh, the showrunners, uh, what is it, Patrick McKay and J.D. Payne arrived on stage speaking Elvish. Uh, we found out also that uh, Tolkien scholars helped create uh, the creation of the original characters. Uh, the article from Games Radar reads, quote, To help with world building, the showrunners enlisted the help of Tolkien scholars to get as close as possible to the author's own process. On creating new cultures for Rings of Power, the showrunner said, We piece the clues together and then do what Tolkien did and look to real world myths, close quote. Because that's the thing. Tolkien did a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of world building with Lord of the Rings, you know, in, in Middle Earth. You know, you look at the appendices and, and just look up a list of all the books he's done. There's a lot. Like, the man has been, unfortunately, passed away in the 70s. There's still books coming out, you know, authored by him. Obviously, other people put it together. But 
there's a lot of stuff to work with there. He just never got around because of how much time he spent on it, you know, working on it from, you know, the 30s and, and 40s and even before that. You know, it, it's a lot to work on. So the fact that they've got scholars involved, and I know his one of his grandsons is involved was involved with the show, it gives me a lot of faith in, in that they're, it's going to be a faithful adaptation. Well, that's what you need to do, especially with that fan base. Like, mm-hmm. I think if you try doing anything half-assed, it's going to be a waste of money and a waste of time. So they need to nail this out of the park. Yeah. So, so far, it looks good. It looks very good. We know they're not going to really touch anything third age, so that anything you saw in the films. Uh, and we also, hey, uh, Balrog, look out. Yes, indeed. Next up on my list, uh, we had the Dungeons & Dragons Honor Amongst Thieves panel. Yeah, I, I got to admit, I totally forgot that this had been announced, and I'm like, why? The, you know, It reminded me of when they announced the, the uh, what was it, Battleship movie. I'm like, why the fuck are we doing a Dungeons & Dragons movie? Saw the trailer. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I got to say, the trailer starring Chris Pine and Hugh Grant, it looked good. Yeah. It, it, it looked good. It, it's fun enough, and it doesn't take itself, and this is at least in my opinion, it looks like it doesn't take itself too seriously, mm-hmm. that it can be a pro, that yes, it's got Dungeons and Dragons in the name, which for some people might see that and go, uh, that's that nerdy shit. I don't, I don't know anything about that, but like. Just watching the trailer, it doesn't look like it's, it takes itself too seriously. That like it's approachable for anyone, and that's the one thing too that people got to realize: RPGs, role playing games, mm-hmm. are booming right now. Yeah, they are, and a lot of it has to do with Stranger Things. A lot of it has to do with just the emergence of it into pop culture. Like you're starting to see little bits and pieces here and there. Mm-hmm. Stranger Things, I might have put the cherry on the Sunday with it lately, right? Because obviously, if you've been watching the series, you know why. Well, in Critical Role, getting the ball rolling on a lot of that. Exactly, Legend of Vox Machnia. That's, yeah. I mean, it's now a very cool thing to be a part of and see. So. I think it's not going to really affect like the hardcore gamers and such, but this is a very cool moment for D&D to make a crossover because yeah. it's always had a very interesting relationship with pop culture. Yeah, and, and I've never been much of a D&D fan. You know, I've never really played it. I, I've had a couple opportunities, but I'm like, ah, no, just, I don't really have the time you know, to do it. But I have gotten into it, you know, thanks to watching Legend of Vox Machina, also the podcast from Rooster Teeth, Tales from the Stinky Dragon, which they take it from a very, like, they take it seriously, but they also make it so that, hey, if you're not the deepest of fans for Dungeons & Dragons, like myself, mm-hmm. it makes it very approachable. And i got to say, I've gotten into it. You know, I'm super excited for this movie. One thing I got to do is actually go out and get the new Marvel RPG. Oh, okay. I, I used to play that way back in the sure. day when it used to be TSR. Sure. I used to really play that when I was a, when I was a very young kind of. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of throwing me back a little bit. And like I said, I know Marvel just came out. When, like That's where my RPG stuff kind of goes with. But I will admit, trailer looked dope. Honor Amongst yeah. Thieves is dropping in theaters March 2023. Yeah. And listen, if you've never... Taking a ride to the uh, RPG side, this might be the time to do it. Yeah. Next up. Uh, next up for me was we had the tr- uh, panel for Dragon Ball Super Superhero, which, of course, is releasing in theaters North America on August 19th. Really not a whole lot to go from unless the movie's like three weeks away from coming out. We did, however, get a new trailer, which showed off some new footage. Uh, notably, you do have Goten and, Ta- and Trunks finally fucking showing up for the first time in God knows how fucking long. Uh, you know, so it's cool to them. Uh, cool to see them in going to be in the movie and have playing a part because they do fuse and they fuck it up because fat Gotenks is in the trailer so that'll be funny to watch also what scares the absolute loving fucking shit out of me is I noticed watching the trailer that Broly of course the legendary Super Saiyan one of the strongest beings in the entire universe is training with Beerus oh fuck yeah that definitely if you know anything about Broly and you know anything about Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Universe it Broly training with with 
Beerus is fucking frightening. Like, take one of the more stronger, take one of the strongest, you know, Avengers or, or Marvel superheroes and have them training with, like, a celestial being who's even stronger. And you just go, oh, fuck, why? Why? Yeah. That's about the easiest way I can compare it. Yeah, I mean, for the fan base, you definitely got to be excited about it. The trailer looked, it looked cool. Yeah. Like, I got to admit, like, I'm not the biggest DBZ guy, but, you know, it definitely looked interesting to me. Yeah. For me, I definitely got to start with the first of a couple Boom Studio panels. And obviously, you've been listening to this show. And if you've been following on Parlay Points, you know I'm a very big Power Rangers fan in the universe they're doing over there. So this was the official announcement of what is going on in that universe. And happy to announce that after the Charge to 100, that will be Ryan Parrott's last book. And he's done some fantastic stuff with that series. Uh, They're turning over the reins to a friend of the show, Melissa Flores. Who'll be joined by Simona Di Giafanlis, and they are going to be taking over at issue 101, and the teams are going to be reuniting. So I'm assuming, uh, going off the information I'm getting from the panel, that they're going to be merging Mighty Morphin and Power Rangers back to one book and going to a legacy numbering 101. So it'll be titled for the Recharged Era, and according to the description coming out of the panel, it'll be uh, quote to reunite and tackle new challenges and threats. Mm-hmm. So definitely some fantastic work they've been doing there. Like I, I can't stress enough. The entire Power Rangers line at Boom is some of the best comics they're putting out. And I am to say I'm excited to see Melissa Flores writing there is an understatement. I have been very fortunate to get uh, a chance to read The Dead Lucky, which is coming out next week as we are recording. Mm-hmm. And that is in the massive verse. And that book is awesome. And this is going to be something that, if it's anything like that, fans are in for such an amazing ride. You definitely want to make sure you're you're picking up that at Boom Studios. But that wasn't the only big news coming out. No. There's going to be a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover. Saw this. Ryan Parrott and Dan Mora. This even this even perked my interest, you know, growing up watching both the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series and, and the uh, 90s, or maybe it was 80s, I forget, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. Uh, even this got my interest. Yeah, just take my money now. Parrot and Mora teaming up. I, I don't even need to do any more description. All I'm going to say is December of this year, the book is coming out, so get down to the LCS and make sure you don't miss this. This is going to be some fantastic work, and this panel definitely got the Power Rangers fanverse Excited, our good friend Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, hashtag show, definitely wrote a column about this as well. And I know he's going to be swinging through here for the charge to 100. So we're going to be talking a lot of Power Rangers then, and rightfully so. But for whether the direction of the series is going now, listen, can't be more excited. And just once again to plug Dead Lucky Day is next week, August 3rd at your local comic shop. So you better go get that book. Otherwise, I'm going to question you very much. Next up. Uh, next up for me was uh, announced during the Avatar Braving the Elements panel, which I read online. And, hey, don't say I told you so. I told you so. That line got capped because that that room was at capacity. Uh, reading from an article on gizmodo.com, uh, quote, During the Avatar Braving the Elements panel, Janet Varney, who vo- voiced Korra in the sequel series of the same name, revealed th- that the first Avatar film would bring back Avatar Aang and his, and his iteration of Team Avatar, consisting of siblings Katara and Sokka, Earthbender Toph Beifong, Prince Zuko and Kiyoshi Warrior Suki from the Mothership series, 
but as young adults. Uh, the film will be produced by uh, Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, along with Cora producer Eric Coleman, and directed by Avatar alum Lauren Montgomery. Uh, so this, of course, is the first of the three animated feature films uh, in the Avatar universe from the creators. Uh, super, 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 super excited for this. Uh, it's them as young adults, so it'll be taking place in between the original series and the sequel series, uh, that being Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. I know they've delved into this a little bit with the comics, and then I know they've done some novels, so maybe they'll borrow from that. Maybe it'll be something totally original. Who knows? But I'm excited to watch. Yeah, fan base was definitely buzzing about this on social media, so definitely got to keep an eye out for that. Next up for me, going to go back to Boom Studios. And for one of the rare appearances, they were back in Hall H Mm -hmm. because they had a very big book to talk about. And, Pat, do you know what that book is? No. Berserker. Oh, yeah. With Keanu Reeves. So this is the one that started on Kickstarter. They definitely have a very passionate fan base about it. And we got a little more information about what's coming out because it was announced at that panel that there is a Netflix adaptation that they'll be doing of the book. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't read the book, the book is wild. The book is badass. They're definitely going to have some fun with this. And they're also rolling out into an anime spinoff. Okay. So details were kind of a little uh, not so clear about what this is all going to be about. Production IG is going to be tagged to this as well from what I was getting uh, the information about. And they're also doing a spinoff novel. And like I say, Berserker is a very cool read. Keanu and company did a really cool job. Matt Kent and uh, Ron Garney. Mm -hmm. The book is entering the final stretch. And like I say, you need to really read it to, to fully appreciate it. I mean, they don't pull back any punches. The, the story is about B, who is a half-man, half-god, all-killing machine, and basically is trying to find a way to end his own existence because mm-hmm. he's lived for thousands of years. And it's a very cool, trippy read, i got to say this. But to see it come to the small screen via Netflix, I'm going to be excited about. And the anime one, I'm definitely intrigued about because I don't know how they're going to go about this. I really don't. Like, reading the book, I'm like, there, there's one possible way right now, but I don't want to speculate because... It just happened in the comics. Right. And I'm not sure what that character is going to be doing. So mm-hmm. either way, though, Boom had an awesome, awesome San Diego Comic-Con, so I definitely want to plug them That's and, good. And, and shoot them a congratulations because they had a couple other panels going on, too, and all positive vibes coming back from a lot of people I know there. So definitely kudos to them. Next up. Uh, a couple of things from The Walking Dead because The Walking Dead did have its final panel for San Diego Comic-Con with the show ending. Uh, it was announced that the final eight remaining episodes of the 11th season uh, will be returning to AMC on October 2nd. Uh, so definitely excited for that. They released an awesome trailer, which I got to say, the, the beginning of the trailer pulled my heartstrings a little bit. A couple of flashbacks and glimpses back to the season's past, especially episode one, Don't Open, Dead Inside. Well, that was that was a fun look back. Yeah, definitely. Trip down memory lane. Yeah, trip down memory lane. Gave a trailer. Definitely some intrigue and some interest, especially that last shot. There, that last little bit. Oh boy, to say the least. Yeah. So super excited for that to come back. Uh, it was uh, during a couple of uh, highlights from during the panel. Uh, Norman Reedus was asked how he felt participating in his last Comic Con. Uh, he said, "Quote: I kind of just want to cry and make out with everybody at the same time." Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> The Walking Dead is one of those shows that really built up a great fan base at New York and San Diego Mm Comic-Con. Like, you'd always see those were always the jam-packed panels. Yeah. That you always have to, like, wait, you know, quite some time to get in. Yeah. So 
I've been to one of the Walking Dead panels in New York, and like that was out of control. I can I can imagine. You know, back in the heyday when it was the most popular show on TV. Yeah. So I could see why you get choked up, and obviously after 11 years and you connect with so many fans and so many yeah. people about this, this is bittersweet. But this is, we all yeah. knew it was going to happen at some we point. We knew it was coming. Uh, it was announced prior to the Walking Dead's uh, final panel that we did get a trailer and a release date for the upcoming spinoff series, Tales of the Walking Dead, uh, which is a new series beginning on August 14th with six episodes, uh, all of the different stories uh, featuring the likes of t- uh, new cast members, including Terry Crews, who you might know from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, mm-hmm. Olivia Munn uh, from The Newsroom, among many other things, uh, Parker Posey, who you might know from Scream, Jesse T. Usher from The Boys, uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, who you might know from Top Gun and ER, and also Samantha Morton, uh, a.k.a. Alpha, Alpha. Uh, and also Danielle uh, Pineda, who you might know from uh, Jurassic World Dominion. Gotta say, Tales of the Walking Dead, and from what I saw, it looks pretty good. I mean, you've got Terry Crews playing the, I knew this was coming, I was prepared for this. And you've also got them borrowing from real world because, oh, this is this is fake news made up by the media. Yeah, this is a very interesting trailer, i got to admit, because they did say six tales. Um, so I'm assuming it's all going to be solo episodes, one and done. Yeah. So it's an interesting switch to do this, and it makes sense at this stage to do this with The Walking Dead. 11 years of the flagship show, a good amount of time with Fear of the Walking Dead. I want to say eight years of that. Yeah. So at this stage, if you're going to keep this franchise going for reasons, this is the way to do it because you do you can tell some backstories and there's still a fan sure. base so will tune in and watch it. The sure. Alpha Origin story, I think, which is the one I've got the most eyes on mm-hmm. from what I can see from the trailer, I think is going to be very interesting. The yeah. one about the uh, news department next to the CDC, <laughs> that looks like that's actually going to be a comedy, yeah. which I don't know how I feel about that right now, but listen... I'd like to see them do something different if they're going to keep this franchise alive for whatever reason. So, Because at this stage of the day, it's it's starting to dwindle down the popularity. Yeah, a little bit. We do know that there is some more shows coming out in this universe along with the Tales show. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to keep doing this, give us some new, something new, something fresh. And this is definitely one for August 14th that we definitely got to keep our eyes on. Well, and speaking of continuing the series uh, and continuing the franchise, it was announced during the panel because we had two surprise appearances. One from... Uh, uh, what is it? Andrew Lincoln mm-hmm. and Denai Guerrera. So Rick Grimes and Michonne her, themselves. Uh, it was revealed that during the panel that uh, their story is going to continue uh, with the spinoff uh, set for 2023 uh, and will begin with six episodes. Uh, so and they kind of left the door open. There might be more depending on how it goes and how fans receive it. They did. I'm showing Ken. They did put out a really cool poster. That is a cool poster with Den- uh, Michonne's sword going through. You know the p- sheet of paper that says the world's going to need Rick Grimes. You know you got helicopter in the background sunset uh, article on IGN.com reads uh, quote the series presents an epic love story of two characters changed by the world the official description reads kept apart by distance by an unstoppable power by the ghosts of who they were Rick and Michonne are thrown into another world built on a war against the dead and ultimately a war against the living can they find each other and who they were in a place and situation unlike they've known unlike any they've known uh, ever known before are they enemies, lovers, victims, victors? Without each other, are they even alive? Or will they find that they too are the walking dead? Uh, so this, of course, is what was supposed to be the, the film. Movie. The movie that was rumored and announced years ago. Never came to fruition. Uh, you did have Andrew Lincoln say, quote, This has been the most extraordinary journey playing Rick Grimes for the best part of a decade. 
The friendships I've made along the way are deep and lasting, so it's fitting that I finally get to complete the story with Denai and Scott and the rest of the TWD family. I'm so excited to be returning to the screen as Rick, reuniting with Denai as Michonne, and bringing the fans an epic story, an epic love story to add to the Walking Dead universe. Close quote. Uh, this is what was supposed to be the movie. Uh, from what I read online, it sounds like there was a change uh, at the head of AMC, and that person made the decision, hey, why don't we do a TV series instead of a movie? So, which is why it's not being a movie. Is it Scott Gimple? Uh, well, no, Scott Gimple the he- is the head of The Walking Dead thing, but the, the head of AMC. Oh, head of, okay. Gotcha, somebody gotcha, somebody yeah. at the head of AMC television made the choice. You know, there was a change gotcha. of head up there. So it wasn't Gimple. It was somebody at the head of uh, AMC. That's very interesting, but I think, honestly, that's smart. Mm-hmm. I think that that's the better look if you're going to do this because that whole Rick Grimes, like whatever you want to define it as, we've been waiting, yeah, like it's, New Mutant style. It's been at least five years to to find out like what the hell is going on. Yeah. So if they're gonna do it like this, I think it's a smarter move. I think depending on like maybe it was the footage came out and they didn't like it. I don't know. I mean, I'm just trying to speculate about it. But I think that this is a much, much smarter move long-term for them. Yeah, uh, so our IGN article does say Lincoln was confirmed to lead three AMC TV films in 2019, and the first film was going to be released in theaters. So, yeah, it's, so it's been since 2019 that we've been waiting on this thing. Yeah, so smart move. I But I'm, I'm interested to see how they cap the story off. Because yeah. obviously with the show ending, it, it kind of ties in everything. We know there's still that Daryl spinoff. That, right. You know, it's going to happen because it's got to happen because it's reasons. Mm-hmm. So if you're a Walking Dead fan, there's a lot of stuff to be excited about. And, you know, for me, just show me something new at this stage. Yeah. That's all I want to see. I want to see the flagship show end on a good note. Which I think it will. Yeah, with obviously with how that trailer ended, that's kind of a very cool thing to try doing. Mm-hmm. So we'll just have to play it by ear after that. Yeah. So next up for me, got a lot of comic stuff. Pat, okay. Because obviously it's Comic-Con. And there is a ton of news that was coming out. So I'll just start with Marvel. Okay. So they had a, a few things going on. Jason Aaron announced his Avengers finale, and it's titled Avengers Assemble. So they're doing a massive tie-up of all the stuff he's been doing with the mm. Avengers, like the BC, and it's going to be a wild story. But listen, if you like Love and Thunder and you like how he did Thor, his Avengers has been spot on, too. So this will be something to definitely keep an eye out for. Uh, they also announced that there'll be a new creative team taking over Fantastic Four. Oh. They showed promotional art, and it was a compass with the arrow pointing west. Hmm. Now, I don't know what that means. Wally West. That would be something. <laughs> Personally, I have my fingers crossed, and I do not know anything. But listen, I'm going to put the karma out in the world. David Pepos, mm. Fantastic Four, mm. putting that out in the world right now. But uh, Dan Slott's going to be wrapping up his stuff with the Reckoning War that's going on, and then the new team will take over. Like I said, did not hear who is officially taking over there. Dan Slott, though, did have his own panel, and it was announced that he will be helming up a new Spider-Man book. Nice. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse with one Mark Bagley as the artist. Uh, Some details coming out about that. October 5th is when it's scheduled to drop. Mysterio and Mr. Negative are going to be a part of it. Nice. So he is not going to have Norman Osborn involved. Because there is a very odd crossover. At least when I read this, I went, what? Yeah. And it's entitled Dark Web, and it's going to uh, have Spider-Man involved with the X-Men. And one of the books that's coming out with this is a book called Gold Goblin. 
And apparently, they're going to try redeeming Norman Osborn. Good fucking luck. I yeah, like I mean, I, I all the power in the world. Like I mean, if you can pull off a story like that, you can. I'm showing Pad the promotional art for that right now. As soon as it boots up. Oh, uh, whoa! So it's like he's flying by yeah. a building. There's a reflection, and he's in. Yeah. A, it's called Gold Goblin, and this is going to tie into the dark web, like and which is done by Zeb Wells and Adam Kubert. So. This will be an interesting storyline when it all takes place. So I, like I say, I don't know how this is going to shape up, but that definitely caught my eye. Iron Man 25 is going to be the 650th Legacy issue, so they're going to be doing some cool stuff there. I think that's Chris Cantwell's last issue on the book. Mm-hmm. But the one Marvel comic announcement that it blew my mind and it also raised a couple questions for me. Okay, Jonathan Hickman is coming back to Marvel. Interesting. And he's going to be working with Valeria Shaid. And the book is... We don't have a title for the book. There was a weird uh, caption, and it says, What happens when the powers that be meet the natural order of things? Mm. 2023. And I'm showing Pad the the tweet that came out from Marvel Entertainment about it. Huh. So I guess here is my question. I know that uh, Hickman left the X-Men franchise, which he revitalized. I mean, the whole House of X, Powers of Ten is him. And he was going to do his own thing with Substack and uh, the Three Moons yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. franchise there. Yeah. So I'm very surprised to see that he came back and that, I mean, maybe this is going to tie into the X-Men. Maybe it's going to all bring everything full circle. I don't know. Well, I mean, to be fair, I think the whole Substack thing kind of fell through because it seems like a lot of those guys are going back to doing other things. In some cases, yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. so. And, and Hickman's, I, I know he had the panel. I did not catch too much about it, though, at, from San Diego. So I don't have a lot of information on that. I want to try digging into it after the show. But I, like I said, when I saw he came back, I was like, oh, wait, this is kind of crazy. Because with the X line, it's still been following the plots that he's left. Right. But I was like, for him to leave and, and do his own thing and come back and not go right back to X-Men, personally, I thought that was surprising. But that is just me. So I thought that that was kind of interesting. So a lot of stuff coming out from Marvel. Not to be outdone. DC Comics had some comics news come out. Probably the biggest stories coming out from San Diego, though, was Crisis, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. So apparently that's the sequel to Crisis on Infinite Earths. Waiting to kind of get some more information on this. Kind of blew yeah. my mind about this. Yeah. So that was a book that I have my eyes on to just kind of get start digging into a little more. And then the one that arguably got me amped up and that is Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo, Batman Spawn crossover coming out at the end of the year. Good Lord. Fuck yeah. Like, I'm sorry. that I don't even really need much of a story. You can put me on it, and I'm there. And DC, I mean, they had a couple other stories that kind of caught my eyes there, but those were the really big ones. So, yeah, the Batman Spawn one, like, I saw that, and I, like, had to pinch myself several times to make sure I wasn't, like, in a hallucination. Yeah, because, I mean, that was literally the mic drop moment for the comic stuff for me. Like, I know there's a couple other series coming out that just is kind of blip on the radar, and I want to see what's going on. And obviously they had a lot of stuff going on with the Netflix show on August 5th coming out for The Sandman. Right. A lot of positive vibes coming out about that. Saw some more footage. Listen, we will talk about that next week on the show because that looks absolutely incredible. 
but not to be outdone with the comics because obviously we're talking co- a lot of comics news breaking. Comicsology definitely want to give them a shout out. They had some very very cool panels going on this weekend, hyping up the Scott Snyder Scottober West Coast edition. And obviously, we talk about those books all the time with Dan Panishan, uh, Jamal Eigel, and Tula Lute. If you haven't picked up Barnstormers, Canary, and Dudley Datsun and the Forever Machine, like, listen, seriously, step on it and make sure you do it. They had some great panels doing a lot of feedback with the audience and definitely hearing a little more of the next phase of, quote-unquote, Scott-tober. So definitely want to shout out Comixology there. And we had some more Massiverse information, Pat. Oh. Yes, so... Definitely, they had a star-studded panel of the Massiverse family uh, in attendance going on. So we did hear a little bit of uh, Radiant Black. There's going to be an original issue for Radiant Yellow coming okay. out. Um, and there's also an event coming out called the Catalyst War. So more details coming out of that for Radiant Black. Rogue Sun has got some very cool things going on. They introduced a new villain by the name of Ornate. Mm. So we need to kind of see how that one plays out. And obviously, if you haven't been picking up, they're going to be trying to do a choose-your-own-adventure style um, hmm. issue coming up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and, and like I say, what they're doing at the Massiverse is literally some of the coolest stuff that you are going to see in comics by far. They also have the uh, Radiant Pinks series coming out. Mm-hmm. The Dead Lucky, obviously, we've been talking about on the show, and I will keep screaming it until next week. And then after that, too, Dead Lucky Day is August 3rd, so they're definitely hyping that up. Heard some more information on Inferno Girl Red, so we are going to be getting that in a, I want to say it was a 120-issue uh, pack or book. So when that comes out, you know I'm going to be talking about that. Maybe we'll get lucky. Mac Room will swing by here to chat about that hmm. as well. And what put the cherry on the Sunday for me, in April 2023, Supermassive is back. Ah. So I was geeking out when I heard this guy. Shout out Lance from Comic Book Keepers. He was in attendance for the panel. He did a fantastic job about shooting out what was coming out from this panel. And listen, I'll say it once and I'll say it again. What they're doing in a black market narrative is some of the best stuff in comics. Kyle Higgins, Michael Basittle is doing, and company there, is doing some of those imaginative promoting for comics. And they have a very cool Discord, which I just got into. And the fan base there, you can definitely tell there's there's an energy that you don't really see with a lot of fan bases that they have. And, right. and the books they're doing from Radiant Red, which is just wrapping up this week, to um, Radiant Black itself, they just have, and all, all books in between too, they're just doing some of the greatest stuff at the comic shops this week that seriously, if you're not invested in, I, I strongly tell you to get involved, definitely get down with it, and see what they have going on there because, listen, the Massiverse is nothing to sneeze about. You definitely want to be a part of that fan base because they're doing a lot of big things. Yeah. Uh, next up was the uh, Marvel animated panel because they had a lot of good stuff announced with this. Uh, they did show off a trailer for the upcoming short uh, animated shorts, I Am Groot, which is uh, following Baby Groot. You did have uh, the writer, director, executive producer, uh uh, Kristen Lepore, uh, she showed off the trailer before she gave a surprise screening of the one of the shorts, which is titled uh, "Group Takes a Bath." <laughs> so it sounds like it's gonna. If you've seen any of the Disney shorts, like I know they did one for the character Forky with uh, Toy Story Four. Yep, sounds like it's just gonna be a bunch of like maybe five minute shorts. It's nothing real crazy. You know, but uh, that is going to launch on April 10th with five shorts. They did announce, though, that there's going to be another set of five shorts coming at a later date. So super excited to check that out because those are fun. They're always just a little harmless. Like, oh, it's a little funny. 
after that, they showed off a first look at the second season for the animated Emmy-nominated show series What If. Uh, reading from an article on Deadline.com, says, quote, The Watcher continues to explore the multiverse with new episodes this season featuring other characters from the MCU like Thor Ragnarok's Hela. Yeah. Uh, the season is set to premiere in early 2023 with a third season also announced. That's wild. Yeah. But, you know, good for that because what if I think it was more hit than miss? Yeah. I know a lot of fans were kind of like really 50-50 with it, but I thought it did fantastic stuff. And that's the one cool thing about that series. You can literally do anything you want. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be tied to any fan base or any stories. It just It's free creativity. Yeah. Boom. Uh, after that, they talked about a little about, about the upcoming series Marvel Zombies, which is kind of inspired by the 2005 comics of the same name. Uh, article from Deadline reads, quote, This animated series takes place in an alternate reality where a new generation of heroes must battle against a zombie apocalypse. Executive producers Brian Andrews and A.C. Bradley showed off concept art of the new series and revealed some of the heroes facing the zombie scourge like Shang-Chi, Katie, and Kate Bishop. Also, they announced that this show is going to be TVMA. Let's go. You have They're to. They're not holding back. You have to. I'm sorry. Like, there's no point of doing a zombie show if it's going to be anything PG. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest. So I'm super excited about that. And then lastly, and certainly not leastly, they did talk about uh, the X-Men 97 series, uh, which they did say is going to be continuing the series, uh, the story from the, nine, the series that ran from 1992 to 1997 on Fox Kids Networks. Uh, they did say, on according to an article from Variety.com, uh, quote, the new series will include Rogue, Beast, Gambit, Jean Grey, Wolverine, Storm, Jubilee, and Cyclops. Magneto, now with long hair and a purple suit, will lead the X-Men. <sighs> the animation revealed at Comic-Con on Friday stays true to the original animated series, but looks more modern, updated, and sleek. Cable, Bishop, Forge, Morph, and Nightcrawler will also join the X-Men on screen. Battling them will be the uh, Hellfire Club with Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw, plus Mr. Sinister, Boulevard Trask will appear. Super fucking excited for this. God, I hate that Magneto costume. That was the one from X-Men 200 when they did the trial Magneto. Right. We just had the big-ass M on him. Ugh. I'm sorry. Like, that's just not my Magneto. But... I'm super fucking pumped up for this. Mm-hmm. This looks awesome. This is definitely going to be something very cool to check out. I think that bringing back the nostalgia feels from 97, the fans are definitely going to tune out for yeah. this big time. And, I mean, what can you say about Marvel Animation? I mean, yeah, a right, lot of good stuff. Right now, they're absolutely crushing they're it. They're also writing a very egregious, egregious, wrong, uh, article on IGN, or excuse me, Variety does point out, quote, as a bonus for fans of the original animated series, Disney Plus is rearranging the episode order as it's intended to be watched. For example, Jean Grey's Dark Phoenix saga was out of order in the original run, which Disney Plus will rectify. I know there was one oh, of our smart. one of our friends, podcast friends, was recently going through and watching the show, and they I know they tweeted out a photo of the season two arrangement, and they go, wait, why the fuck is this? Because it was like episode one, episode seven, episode. Th-. They're like, wait, why the hell? I'm like, listen, Disney Plus screw up the upload, and it's not in, and it's not in the right intended order. It's getting fixed, and it's already fixed. Yeah, so super excited about this, man. Like X Men '97 set the benchmark. Yeah, like if you, I'm sorry, they did what two movie studios couldn't do. Yeah, get well, dark. one movie studio, or one movie studio, but two films couldn't get Dark Phoenix right. They did it right. They, I know, they nailed it, man. Uh, listen, there, there's so much going on at Comic-Con. I think we hit all the big bullet points. I mean, there's a couple other things, like He-Man is wrapping up in Season 3. The new Transformer series looked okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of kid animation. Obviously, it's Paramount Plus and Nickelodeon. 
And I know that there was a little controversy about Alan Tudyk voicing Optimus Prime. Listen, Peter Collins, 90 years old. Eventually, you're going to have to get somebody else to do it. Yeah, so deal with it, folks. I mean, look good if you're a Transformers fan. I mean, that's one great thing about Comic-Con to just kind of wrap things up with it. They had literally something for everybody. Yeah. And the positive reaction that came back from all fandoms, like, I don't think anybody was super mad except the Snyderverse people because it was said, hey, it's over and done with. Yeah. We all need to accept that. Yeah. And you know what? If Henry Cavill comes back, he comes back. Yeah. We'll just wait until he comes back on screen. Don't kind of buy into any rumors because that was the whole thing. I think fans were just so excited to be back. Right. That everybody's waiting to see what the big, you know, quote unquote, Hall H moment was going to be. I think they got their money's worth for the most part. Yeah. I think there's only very few things we can kind of nitpick about. And now con season is fully in swing for the rest of the year. Like, I'm sorry, after San Diego, it goes to New York Comic Con. Obviously, DC fandom is going to kick into C2E2, uh, I believe, coming up as well. Should be, yeah. It's a lot of fun stuff to be a comic fan, but San Diego is one that kicked off for everybody. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your favorite non-Marvel Studios of news story of the weekend? Like, let's talk about this. Did you really like all the comic announcements coming from Marvel? How about that Lord of the Rings panel? What about The Walking Dead? Those massive verse stuff, like I said, Kyle Higgins, Ryan Parrott, Matt Groom and company there, got a lot of big things coming out. So much to break down. Let's discuss it, shall we? Hashtag ODPHpod. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Chris. And Lance. Asking you to check out our new podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Join us as we delve deep into comic lore to uncover the history behind a wide variety of comic book characters. Each episode will feature one hero, villain, team, or ensemble and break down what makes these heroes super. We'll give you recommendations on what storylines to read. Explain how characters were created. Discuss adaptations, costumes, and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. Yeah, and spoiler alert, these conversations can get pretty nerdy. This is Comic Book Keepers. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, Pad. What you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, the first of which is video game related because PlayStation decided to uh, announce their f- three free games for the month for PlayStation Plus, and I I've been very critical of them, you know, for quite a while because the lineup this is facts. The lineup is sucked. Uh, you know, they had a, they had a good one last month with Crash Bandicoot Four. You know, I added that to my library for free. You know, sixty dollar game for free. They announced the list for this coming month, August though. Holy fucking shit! They came out swinging. So available for the folks, and this is for you know the ba- the basic level you know of PlayStation Plus because they've got the three levels of PlayStation Plus now for everybody though. As long as you have PlayStation Plus, uh, you can get these games on PS4 exclusively. Uh, it is Little Nightmares, so you can add that to your game library. But these two very notable. Both of the next two I'm going to mention for PS4 and PS5. Uh, the first one, Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is uh, according to uh, one of our friends of the show, I had to check because I'm not was 100 percent sure. One of the more recent games in the Yakuza franchise. So I'll definitely give that a look. And also, this is the cross-gen deluxe bundle. So Lord knows what this comes with. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. For free. Give it to me. On PlayStation. I'm going to get absolutely pick up Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 uh, for free when it comes out uh, later next week. Because it never drops on the first. It always drops on like a Tuesday. So that'll be after the first of the month. So that might be on the second. We should look for around August 2nd. Uh, and they usually hit at like 6 p.m. Eastern. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, so certainly excited for that. But then also added to the PlayStation Plus catalog. This is on the extra tier. This is coming to the game catalog. Eight. Count them. Eight 
of the Yakuza games, which I'm pretty sure makes it for the rest of the rest of the Yakuza franchise. I was gonna say. So next month it gets added. This is in the uh, gets added is Yakuza Like a Dragon. So that is the one that's coming out. That is for all f- tiers of the PlayStation Plus. Uh, these ones are for the extra and premium. So that is uh, these ones co- are for the next tier, two tiers up. Uh, this is Yakuza Zero, uh, Yakuza Kiwami, uh, and then Yakuza Kiwami Two. Uh, coming later this year is part of PlayStation Plus game catalog. Yakuza 3 Remastered, that is for the premium tier. Yakuza 4 Remastered for the PlayStation Plus premium tier. Yakuza 5 Remastered for the PlayStation Plus premium tier. Yakuza 6 The Song of Life for the premium and extra tier. Uh, so, yeah, you're going to basically, over the next couple of months, be getting eight, nine technically, or eight or nine uh, Yakuza games added for free to the PlayStation Plus catalog, which i got to say, look at real good, real good. Definitely a lot of stuff to be excited about if you got a PlayStation. Yeah, the lineup is ridiculous. Lineup is ridiculous, especially since you, they're adding a whole bunch of games, You know, some of which we talked about before, but also you factor in that, plus you've got a whole bunch of Assassin's Creed games if you've got the right tier for the PlayStation Plus uh, subscription service, you know, because they added what is it? The uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which I'm now 150 plus hours into playing. Yeah. No, no lie. But also, you can play Assassin's Creed Black Flag, Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry, Assassin's Creed Rogue, Assassin's Creed the Exio Collection. So that's Assassin's Creed 2, Brotherhood, and Revelation, uh, Assassin's Creed Unity. Uh, and then Assassin's Creed Valhalla, like I mentioned. And no word yet with future Assassin's Creed, but hey, you never know. Uh, so definitely stuff to check out there if, with, if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber. Right on. Uh, and then lastly, and certainly not leastly, it was announced exclusively by the folks over at Variety that Disney Plus is in development of an Aragon TV series adaptation. Say now. Uh, yeah, and I know this is one. I haven't read the book series. I'd like to you know, get around to it eventually. I know there was a movie of it in like 2006, but it wasn't that well received, obviously, because it's a four-book series series they only did one movie uh but the article of courtesy of variety does read uh, quote an aragon live action tv series is an early development at disney plus variety has learned exclusively from sources the series would be based on the christopher paolini young adult novel series the inheritance cycle with aragon being the first of four books in that series according to sources paolini will serve as co-writer on the series Bert Salke will executive produce under his CoLab 21 banner with 20th Television Producing. Salke is currently under an overall deal with Disney Television Studios, of which 20th TV is part. Reps for Disney and Paolini did not immediately respond to Variety's request for comment. The Inheritance Cycle tells the story of a farm boy named Aragon who discovers an egg that hatches into a dragon that he names Saphira. Through their bond and the help of his mentor, Brahm, Aragon learns to become a dragon rider, an ancient order that had long been thought to have be wiped out by the evil king uh, Glabtorix. Aragon and Saphira set out to, de- to defeat Glabtorix and free the land of uh, Algesia from his tyranny. Aragon was first self-published in 2002 before it was republished by Kampf in 2003. Uh, it was followed by Eldest in 2005, Brissinger in 2008, and Inheritance in 2011. The whole series has proven to be incredibly popular with over 41 million copies sold worldwide. Uh, check out more books, uh, becoming TV series, TV series and movies here. Uh, so definitely something to check out if you're an Aragon fan. I know I'm kind of excited for this because I know my brother likes it. My brother's usually pretty spot on with some of the sci-fi and fantasy stuff he reads. So I'm definitely going to give this a check out when it eventually hits uh, our TV screens. It definitely looks interesting. I got to say that. Yeah. And like I say, I'm not too big on that fandom, but I'm definitely going to check it out. Yeah. 
So from before I get into the comic recommendations this week, there is a show coming out this Friday as we're recording, July 29th, Prime Video. And the show is Paper Girls. Mm. So if you're familiar with the Image comic that was done by Brian K. Vong and Cliff Chang, this is going to be right up your alley. And the description from IMDb goes, A few hours after 1988 Halloween night, four 12-year-old girls have to face a mission. Trapped in a complicated conflict, they will tra- they will travel in time to save the world. Hmm. Now, Pat and I just saw the trailer. Yep. Your initial reaction, because I know you don't know the book. Don't know the book. I got a lot of uh, Stranger Things vibes from it. You know, kind of like the palette tone with like a singular color. Four kids, obviously set in the 80s. You know, got to save the world. So definitely got a Stranger Things vibe to it, but necessarily not so much leaning into like the horror aspect of it. No, definitely not. I mean, the book came out in 2015. Cameron Jones plays Tiffany. Riley Lai-Nayat is Aaron. Sophie Rosinski is Mac. And Fina Straza is KJ. So that's the four leads in this. And from the trailer, it looks fun. Like, it looks interesting. Yeah, no, I can definitely does. get that Stranger Stranger Things vibe. But I think it's its own book. And if you read the comic, it's a very cool read. Uh, I have not read a lot of it in my time. I've read, like, some of the first couple issues. So I'm definitely intrigued to check this out. And, like, listen, for all the, quote-unquote, controversy of too much Marvel, too much DC, this is a great time for the independents right now with the boys being so successful, yeah. Umbrella Academy, Paper Girls could be the next big thing. I'm going to tell you right now, you should definitely give it a shot. The trailer looks cool, and we might have to keep an eye out on a parlay points after this week. Mm. Just going to put that on the world. Uh, I have not officially, as we record, started, so I'm going in a little cold, but uh, maybe I'll have a little something to say about it on Friday. Just going to say that wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But definitely Amazon Prime video on Friday, July 29th. Make sure you check out Paper Girls. And hit me up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. I want to know your reaction for it because Pat and I are going to be covering the first episode next week. So let's have some conversation, shall we? At the comic shops this week, holy smokes, man. It is a crazy lineup. Massiverse-wise, Rogue Sun, Radiant Black, Radiant Mm. Red, all in attendance. So if you're a Massiverse fan, there's some great new issues out right now. And like I, I can't stress enough. What they're doing in the Massiverse is very, very cool, so you definitely want to swing over and check that out. Comixology original line, though, The All-Nighter is back, number eight. Chip Zdarsky, Jason Liu, continuing that fantastic story. Okay. And I know it's on. the uh, first arc is out on print via Dark Horse Comics. So, listen, if you haven't checked this out, you need to. It's some of the best imaginative storytelling in comics right now. Also on the shelves, actually at the comic shops this week, it's a double shot from the House of Slaughter mind hive there. Okay. Boom Studios has House of Slaughter number eight, or number six, rather, in attendance. So what James Tynan and company are doing on this book, it's a little backstory of, of a little more in-depth of the Order of St. George, and it's a fantastic read. It's building for something big, and if you know anything about that, something's killing the children, that's what they do. They kind of do like a slow build for their stories. Right. So issue number seven here of House of Slaughter is definitely up that alley. They're definitely cool and doing some very cool things. Uh, Sam Johns is co-writing with James Tynan. Letizia Kandonchi is on the artwork. And, like, listen, I'm just going to say you got to get involved with this book because House of Slaughter is going to be one that when it takes off and it gets you that emotional punch, mm. it really hits. And the prime example of this is Something is Killing the Children, number 25. Now, if you're not familiar with the flagship title, uh, there is actually a big congratulations that has to go out. Okay. One in Eisner. Yeah? So, yes. Yeah, so, and, nice. and rightfully so. If you've read this book, the book is very, very cool. It won for Best Continuing Series. So 
if you haven't picked up Something That's Killing the Children, I highly recommend it. James Tynan, Werther Delerta, and Miguel Murito are the team behind this. And this is the anniversary issue. I'm showing Pad the cover because I know he's not into horror, but how dope does this look? Oh, that's cool. And this is definitely a big emotional issue because Erica Slaughter is back. She's doing some work on a case as she's been returning. There's also another factor in play, and I will say this. If you've been a longtime reader of this book, the ending arc of this issue is going to hit you right in all the emotions because I went, damn. Like, I literally just, after I got the reading, I went, damn. And I was like, just, you get hit in the moment and just how well Tynan writes this, it, it just, it'll give you shivers. Like, that's that's how I got affected by it. So, I can't recommend this book enough. But the last one that I got the recommendation for this week, Book of Shadows, number one by Valiant Entertainment. So, Cullen Bunn, Vicente Cifuentes is on the artwork for this. And this is the team book that is spiraling out of the Shadow Man run that Cullen Bunn has been writing for the past eight issues. This is a very cool issue and definitely taking a trip to the supernatural side of the Valiant universe. Uh, Persephone, if you've been reading Shadow Man, you know that she is the new character that came out of that run. Punk Mambo, Dr. Mirage, and the Eternal Warrior are part of this ragtag team of heroes Mm -hmm. that literally have to save the world and can they really work with each other? That's the big question going on. Mm. But it's some very cool artwork, as I'll show Pat here as we talk, because I like his honest reaction from yeah, this. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, very detailed, very cool yeah. action sequences. And this definitely ties into a lot of the Valiant universe. So like I say, if you haven't been picking up Valiant lately, you definitely need to go check out what they're doing. And like we say, I review Colin Bunn's work a lot here. I'm a big fan of his stuff. I think he does some great things. This is something that will be right up the alley. And like I say, once this book gets rolling... This is going to be a very, very welcome addition to the Year of Valiance. So much good stuff at the comic shop, so definitely hit down there and go support them and go buy some books, and let's talk about it on social media. So that being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that a Shout of the Robots. Pad, do you know Shout of the Robots reactivated their Patreon? Nice. And there's something in the works coming. Uh-oh. But if I want to find out about them, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. Swing on over there. Check out the music section about Shout and all the other amazing bands that you hear on the ODPH week in and week out. Also, while you're there, check out the directory, which, Pad, how many providers are we on? Uh, 727,000. Sounds about right. So if we're not on your favorite podcast provider, let us know and we'll try fixing that for you. No guarantees, but we'll try our best. Also, while you're there, check out the classified section where you guys friends of the show like Dragon Master Games. 3FN Podcast, 607 Podcast, The Apocalypse, Organizational Link Support and Black Lives Matter, Voter Registration, and so much more. And also, while you're at the website, check out Parlay Points. New blogs dropping. So if you want comic reviews, you don't have to type in hashtag comic recommendations. Just swing on over and check out the picks of the week. And if not, hit me up on Twitter at ODPH Podcast, and I will figure that out for you, and I'll guide you in the right direction. All of that, the T Public Store, which you know what time of year it is. Mm-hmm. So now you got to go over and check out the deals going on at T Public. Go get yourself some back to cool, back to school swag if you want, or just back to basics because listen, we got a lot of stuff on there, and we got some sales that came in. So thank you so much for supporting us on that aspect. All that and so much more. If it's the ODPH, it can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the lonely Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host Ken. I'm thank you as always for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. <laughs>